Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CX Cast. I'm your host, Angelina Jenis, and I am joined once again by one of our all-time favorite guests, Joanna de Quintanilla. As you remember, she is a VP Principal Analyst on the CX team here at Forrester. Hey, Joanna, thanks for coming back. Hi, Angelina. Thank you for having me again. Of course, and I'm just sorry it took this long to talk about this report that I have already found useful. Well, maybe that's why I like to see if a report comes to good use for a while and then then it's really worth talking about. So the report you wrote back in September, as you may recall, harness friction in customer journeys to drive emotional engagement. We're going to break all of that down. It's a longer title, but it's actually the premise is a fairly simple concept, I would say, but there's so much power behind it. So let's just start by understanding harnessing friction. Why would we want to do that? Isn't friction bad? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's a good question. So yes, in many cases, friction can be bad. And we're going to talk a little bit about bad friction in just a minute. But let me start with the controversial sort of aspect of this report, perhaps, which is that there is such a thing as good friction. So what we found is that companies have maybe focused a little bit too much on removing friction from customer journeys. And I kept on coming across these examples. And so I'd sort of been thinking for a while, I think we need a more nuanced understanding of friction. So it's not about introducing friction everywhere, but it's about a more nuanced understanding of friction, which can actually help you to tap into a broader spectrum of emotions, which is, of course, a topic that I do a lot of research on. So the way that we've defined good friction is as extra time, steps, engagement, which can be human or digital, or information in the short term that produce a desirable outcome for the customer and or the company. And often it's both in the form of either empathy or accountability or dependability. And all of this creates trust for customers as we're tapping into these broader spectrum of emotions. So let me give you an example, which I think might make this easier. So for instance, friction can signal that a firm is running processes in the background to protect sensitive data or critical transactions, right? So they actually can create a sense of safety and confidence in the customer, right? To super important emotions. Friction can also contribute, for instance, to a sense of pride when we connect it to the curation or the tailoring of products and services. So, you know, think back to a time where you felt the thrill of the search, right? Higher friction in the form of more options, but that actually made you feel proud that you'd found something that uniquely matched whatever your needs or desires desires were at that moment in time. So adding these extra steps to the journey can actually create excitement, pride, confidence. It can be reassuring for the customer. We have examples like the blood donor app that actually uses pop-up windows, which we normally think of as bad, but they use it in order to congratulate donors for their generosity. That actually creates additional excitement and means that people are coming back to donate more blood, for instance. So that's good friction, right? So it has a very deliberate purpose. It creates empathy or accountability or other things that are associated to driving trust. Of course, there is such a thing as bad friction as well. So while the attitude that friction is the enemy is wrong, friction can, of course, be bad. So we want to avoid still 
things like unwanted delays at emotional peaks or at the end of the journey. So the positioning of friction is important. We want to also avoid mistimed interventions when we're trying to do key tasks and journeys. That's a bad time to introduce friction. And of course, friction during service recovery journeys, right? That's a really bad idea. Customers trying to solve an issue is in a heightened emotional state as it is. And because they're because of a preventable error, for instance, that's a really bad time to be introducing friction. So there's a distinction between good and bad friction, and we need to start there by making that distinction. And that makes sense to me because we always talk about the loyalty drivers of ease, effectiveness, and emotion, and we don't want to detract from ease or effectiveness when that is what the user or the customer wants most. And we want to take into consideration the emotion coming into the journey that the user has. I know that examples of good friction, and particularly because you're focused on trust in quite a bit of this report, are really inspiring to folks. Do you mind talking a little bit more about how good friction engenders trust? Yeah, absolutely. So trust is is a really important concept here. So we've seen that companies that prioritize frictionless experiences, they miss out on opportunities, right? And they risk, in some cases, alienating customers. And when we tap into this broader spectrum of emotions by introducing extra time or steps or an engagement in the, in the form of a human or digital, we actually drive we can drive different levers of trust, in fact. So things like accountability, right? We're creating or we're giving the customer a sense that we're accountable for certain processes or checks and balances, for instance, that keep their data safe, right? So accountability is one of those important levers. Consistency, dependability, right? We're actually, we're checking things for you or we're doing things in the background to make sure that you're getting the best deal, for instance, right? That can drive trust through dependability, through competence by demonstrating that we are being competent in handling a particular transaction or situation by demonstrating empathy, which can be another lever of trust as well, or integrity or transparency, right? We're asking you for information. Maybe it's extra data so that we can tailor your experience a little bit more, but we're being really transparent about the data that we're collecting, the data we're not collecting, and how we're going to use that data. So those are all levers of trust. So things like accountability, consistency, competency, empathy, transparency, that ultimately drive trust. And so by designing experiences that actually drive some of these things and these these emotions, we start to create trust. And actually through those appropriate levels of friction that earn trust, what happens is that that trust then drives revenue generating loyalty behaviors like retention and advocacy. So you're actually also in the process building brand advocates that actually help you to manage friction because often brand advocates can help other customers to understand friction, understand why the friction is there in the experience. It's almost like a sort of a circular, like a feedback loop, right? You start with friction, you drive emotional engagement, that emotional engagement in turn drives trust and that trust creates brand advocates that helps other customers understand friction. So it's a cycle built around that trust. It feels like there may be journeys that firms have developed and they don't even realize that they're doing this, that they're adding good friction. They may they may know they're removing the bad friction where they can. So if I want to take these concepts and apply them, first I need to even recognize where's the good friction 
And even how do I design good friction if we don't have enough of it? So how would we go about doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. Going back to this idea of a nuanced understanding of friction, that's what we're trying to achieve, right? So it's all about the nuance, the context, which is why customer journeys are so important in order for us to understand the concept of friction. So customer journeys differ based on their complexity, the number of channels, steps, their intensity, the fear of missing out or the level of commitment for the journey. If you, for instance, um, think about using Alexa to order a pizza, that requires less friction than perhaps purchasing airline tickets, where really, ideally, you'd want somebody to be reviewing or you'd want the opportunity to review and actively confirm the latter before buying. Journeys are not all made equal, right? So we need to start thinking about what's the friction quotient of the specific interaction or journey that I'm designing for. So an important concept in this report is this friction quotient and how do we gauge that for different journeys? So we do that based on a number of things. First, we start very high level. We start by thinking about what industry am I in, right? So depending on the industry or the business type you're in, you may be facing more or less regulatory pressure that may require some friction for very good reason to actually abide to certain regulations. There might be more complexity in your industry, a healthcare journey, very different to a retail journey or a grocery shopping journey, right? Those have very different levels of of involvement and very different emotions that go with that. So your business type, is it common use? Is it luxury goods? Is it service-oriented, right? So start by thinking about what industry am am I in and what's the appropriate level of friction based on some of those factors that are important in my industry. Next, we need to think about the journey and what's the company intent? What are we actually trying to do? Are we trying to minimize risk in this journey? Are we trying to drive engagement? So is tailoring important, for instance? Are we trying to set the tone for future journeys, which means that maybe we don't want to overload the customer with a lot of friction because we want them to come back. We want to build up the experience for them. We need to also to think about the customer intent. What's the customer trying to do? Is it a simple transaction? Am I ordering my online, gro- my, my weekly groceries, right? Or am I doing something a little bit more bespoke or curated? Or maybe there's an, a learning or a creative experience that actually, by introducing a little bit more friction, I might actually get a lot of satisfaction because it means I'm learning something. Those are very different intents that we, and there's a different friction that goes with those. We need to also then think about how is the journey made up of, right? A journey is made up of moments. There, It's a set of interactions. So the types of moments, the frequency, the placement of the, fre- the, of the friction in the journey, as I mentioned before, in the beginning, in the end, in the middle, where do we place that? And of course, extremely important, we need to think, and you alluded to this already, um, Angelina, we need to think about the type of customer, right? What's the emotion the customer is arriving with? Is it a very loyal customer? What age group are they in? What's, what are their privacy needs? Right? If somebody's very skeptical about the use of their data, they might actually appreciate more friction because they want to make sure that they are sharing an appropriate level of data with you and you're keeping that safe for them. The history with their with the brand, right? Have they had a problem with you before? In which case, um, you know, we need to think carefully about the level of friction that we want to introduce there. So those are so the industry, the company intent, the customer intent, the moments, the type of customer, and all of this contextualized in specific journeys is the way that we start to unpack what's the right friction because there isn't a cookie cutter approach, right? We need, really need to think contextually about this. I love that. And it makes me realize all the times I was adding good friction to customer journeys without even realizing it. So for example, we were designing a website for a drugstore chain and I was doing user research and we discovered that 
the users did not want their drug information right there when they arrived on the homepage because they had family members that didn't know about each other's prescriptions. So a little friction, a couple clicks away to get to that information was actually really important to their privacy. And even things like confirmation pages, when you're just trying to click through and buy something, please confirm all this information is correct. You realize that it's it's worth a couple extra seconds of your time so you don't have to then go back and panic about a per- big purchase you just made. So absolutely, we've been doing it this whole time. We have been doing it this whole time. Like the classic example that I always use is sort of I, I'm ordering something for somebody's birthday, like my sister's birthday is coming up. And if the if the experience is so slick that I don't even have a moment to pause to think about the address that I want, whatever I'm purchasing shipped to, I might be shipping a birthday present to myself instead of to my sister and it's going to get there late. So there's simple examples like that. There's sort of more complicated examples like you just described where actually it's about the price. It's about people sharing information, perhaps. So friction becomes this this really important thing to consider. In a lot of those cases, the customer or the user isn't even really aware that we are adding friction to the journey, but it is helping us build those relationships with them. Is, Is there a certain level of customer awareness that is important in friction? You mentioned that in the report. Can you can you explain that point? Yeah, absolutely. So another thing that's, I think, really important about um, the right level of friction beyond sort of thinking about the friction quotient is this idea that you need to co-create good friction with customers. So it needs to be tested so that you can learn how to dose the friction. You need to make friction optional for some customers that maybe are just more technology optimists, for instance, or more clued up or have done this before. So you need to be able to make it optional in some cases. And you can can do you can turn friction into moments of delight. So one an example of a company that's done that, which um, and, it's, and I love this example is Monzo. So um, financial services company in the UK, they turned negative friction into delight by actually adding an animation that slowed down the authentication journey which meant that it won them some time so that the activation email would actually arrive in the customer's inbox at the right time. Because what was happening before is people were going straight to their inbox. The email wasn't there. They were panicking because they thought something's gone wrong. So by introducing an animation, they were slowing down the whole process without the customer really realizing and actually creating a much better experience for the customer. Now, how did they come up with this idea? Because they tested it, right? They co-created this with, with, with customers. They looked into how do we use friction to encourage serendipity? How do we use friction to create this moment of delight and slow things down? And so they're an example of a company that's really thought in a very nuanced way about friction. And so so we need to co-create good friction with customers. You can, you know, ultimately you want to also start using data and tools to orchestrate friction based on signals and changing circumstances, right? So we know that there are some companies that are using some using tools to, for instance, look out for specific signs of duress in the journey, like heavier typing, jerkier behavior, pitch, rage clicks, <laughs> excessive hovers, you know, to adjust friction in the moment. So in an ideal world, we would be moving towards a situation where we can also orchestrate this in the moment based on changing circumstances, which could be very much happening in the moment, or they could be life events, right? Things that have happened that have really sort of changed the customer circumstances. So you can help build trust in a new behavior with friction. So you're co-creating this with customers and you're making sure to adjust this sort of as you go as well. Fascinating. I And I 
I'm willing to bet that we have a lot of folks in the audience who are designing journeys, who are managing journeys, who are thinking about friction quite a bit. If they want to offer some more examples to you, how can they reach you? Yeah, so just reach out either through LinkedIn, through our webpage, or schedule an inquiry with me if you'd like to sort of talk about this topic. There's so much to unpack in this topic. So like, how do we actually educate customers about the value of friction? How do we communicate about it, right? That's another topic that's really, really important. How do we manage expectations? A lot of it comes down, of course, to managing expectations. And also, you know, how do you, like, I'd love to hear from other companies, for instance, you know, how they're establishing guiding principles that help them harness friction for their brand, how they're making this brand specific. That's one thing that I think is fascinating is that, of course, you have to think about the context, what's the the journey the customer's on, but you also need to think about what's my brand promise? What are the principles that my brand stands behind? For instance, one of Monzo's key principles is transparency, but they also use other principles like including, you know, avoiding interrupting key or uh, urgent tasks, focusing on the value exchange for the customer. They put a, a lot of attention on the communication, how they communicate about the value of friction. What's a trade-off for the customer? So we'd love to hear more examples. We'd love to hear about the principles you're using to guide your more nuanced understanding of friction. So yeah, reach out through LinkedIn or through the Forrester website. We'd love to hear from you. Amazing. Well, thank you for joining once again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. It was great. Joanna's report is Harness Friction in Customer Journeys to Drive Emotional Engagement. You can find that on Forrester.com. There will be a link in the show notes. We are brought to you by Forrester and produced by Wesley Patterson. Thanks everyone for joining. Until next time. 